This podcast is now brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And it's everything you need to make a podcast great in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Generation UCAN, the smarter energy nutrition that is powered by Superstarch, a slow-release complex carbohydrate that uniquely delivers steady, long-lasting energy to keep you fueled and feeling good. Visit generationucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER for 15% off your first purchase. That's generationucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER. Generation UCAN, the best choice for steady energy. For you, the listeners of Breaking the Barrier podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from, and you can find books on any subject. Visit www.audibletrial.com forward slash breaking the barrier to claim your free audiobook and 30-day trial. That's audibletrial.com forward slash breaking the barrier. Hi, welcome to Breaking the Barrier, the podcast that hopes to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. I'm Zach Domigelski. Thanks for joining. We've got a really great interview today with Catherine Benson talking about the way that female runners feel in today's society and the way that they are held, I guess, to a double standard compared to what male runners face uh, when they're out there trying to compete in the sport that we all know and love. It's a really interesting topic and an important topic. And so I'd urge you to check out the links in the show notes and do a bit of pre-reading before you hear Catherine and I have a conversation, because I think it'll set the scene for the topic that we're going to cover in today's episode. But before we get into that, um, as many of you will be aware, Australia is currently going through some absolutely traumatic bushfires. And so there's a number of things that you can do. Uh, In last couple of days, Andrew put out an episode that was talking about a GoFundMe.com site that he has set up. And so if you go to the Breaking the Barrier homepage or any of the social media outlets, which I'll talk about in a second, you can join that GoFundMe uh, and contribute towards the bushfire relief. There's also coming up on the next weekend, the 17th and 18th of January, there's a relief run that has been set up. And that's an event where you can pay a $50 fee and then do either a five kilometer run or a half marathon run again to raise money for the bushfire relief. And I know that when you go to reliefrun.com.au, a number of events have started to promote themselves there. And here in Windhamvale, starting at the Windhamvale Park Run next Saturday, we will be doing that as well. Um, we will be starting off with a bunch of people doing the normal 5k park run, and then a number of us will be going off and running another 16 kilometers. So if you want to get involved in one of those community runs, go check out reliefrun.com.au or come to Windhamvale Park Run. I know a lot of park runs this weekend are going to be wearing red uh, in a show of support of the fireys as well. So that's something you can do. And then something else I'd ask you to check out would be look at your workplace or your employer and see if they offer dollar-for-dollar matching. Uh, It might be that the contribution or the donation that you make will be matched by your employer, or it might be that your employer actually has a fund that they're setting up themselves. And so you might be able to get more bang for your buck or double dollars towards the bushfire relief if you leverage one of those. 
So definitely look at the GoFundMe that Andrew has set up. Look at the reliefrun.com.au and see if you can involve there. Uh, but also check out your employer and see if they've got some sort of donation scheme that would help us get even more money towards those people that need it. If you need to get in contact with the podcast or access any of those links, a couple of places you can check out are on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash breaking the barrier podcast, on facebook.com forward slash breaking the barrier podcast, and then the Facebook community page on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash breaking the barrier running. If you jump on any of those and ask a question, I'm sure someone will be able to jump on and help you out. So thank you to everyone that is helping with the bushfire relief at the moment. I hope you enjoy the next 40 odd minutes of the chat I had with Catherine Benson. Uh, It's an important topic and I hope you get a lot out of it. Catherine Benson, welcome to Breaking the Barrier podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Now, we've got a bit to talk about today, but I thought we'd start the way we normally start with a bit of an elevator pitch. Who are you uh, and why are people listening to you on this uh, podcast today? Okay, so I am, well, look, I'm I'm a nobody, really. I'm a freelance journalist. I'm a writer and I'm a a runner. Um, My writing is predominantly focused on violence against women, um, particularly homicide, but also other aspects of it as well. And how long have you been doing that for? So that for a couple of years, my undergrad uh, was a Bachelor of Communications with a, a major in journalism. So it's it's really funny when people read my articles that don't know that and they say, you can actually write. And I'm like, that is my actual qualification. Yes. The rest that's of what it they taught me to do. It. Yes. That's what I paid a lot of money for. Thank you, Hex. So I've been doing that for a couple of years and I, I do it uh, volunteer work, mostly in terms of the research that we do. I'm part of a team of two women, myself and the founder, who track homicides of men, women and children in Australia and their perpetrators. We're the only ones in Australia who track the homicide of all three and their perpetrators outside, obviously, of government organisations and the ABS. They source themselves and so forth, yeah. And so you mentioned, before we get into that, that you're a runner yourself. I mean, what's your running background? That's the one thing that I think everyone listening to this podcast has in common is that we all describe ourselves as a runner in some way. What's your specialty or your sort of your discipline? Oh, look, um, actually just running. My background is not running at all. I was never a runner. If there was a way for me to get out of running, I would take it. If that meant throwing myself in front of a car and breaking an ankle, Fine. Um, a couple of years ago, I started running like I think a lot of people do. I had gained a lot of weight and I decided the only way to lose it was to punish myself through sheer torture. So I went to my park run, hated yep. it, <laughs> back for another few months until a friend dragged me along. And I had to change the way that I viewed running. I think yep. I really did view running when I came to it, particularly so late in life and for the reason purely to lose weight, I viewed it as a punishment, a punishment for eating or, well, I ate this so I'd better go run this to burn it off, that sort of thing. So I had to change the way that I viewed it because I don't think that's sustainable and it's also not fun. Running is hard work whether you're running a 5K or an ultra and you, you can't sustain that if you hate it. So I was lucky enough to run with some really great ultra runners. I don't do ultras. Again, I think that they're probably a level of death I'm not prepared for. <laughs> but they they helped me look at why I'm doing it. You know, there's a million and one things that you can do to lose weight that's not running. So if you really hate it, do something else. Um, and so I was lucky enough to start trail running, which is my love, even though I can't get out often enough and I'm terrible and fall over a lot, it is something that I still really love. So I don't, I find it really weird to call myself a runner. And I think a lot of people struggle with this. Again, if you're not doing it or you're not fast enough or you're not lean enough, I don't have a preferred distance. I tend to just run now, particularly more for enjoyment than anything. That's awesome. Trail running, I find, is addictive. I was road running for a long time and then finally someone said, go do a trail run. And it's just a whole new dimension of running to be out there in nature and the trails yeah. and the different aspects. It's it's fantastic if you need to sort of reset your relationship with running. Trail running is a great way to go. And you can never, you know, road running is a different beast. You have paces to hit and you have distances to get to. 
you're on a trail, you can't guarantee that. There are no conditions. All of a sudden, a tree's fallen down or... You know, I was running one of our parks here and it was pitch black and I was on my own and it was raining and there were kangaroos on the road. And mm. we both just kind of stopped and looked at each other and I was like, well, well, what do we do? I assume here? I give way. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you going to move? Because you can beat me. I know that. But I've yeah. got to go that. What do we do here? So you don't have that same sort of challenge on the roads, I guess. It's a different sort of thing. It's an interesting segue into, I guess, the main topic for our chat. You mentioned you sort of started off with running as a way to do, you know, weight control. And that's something which, you know, my myself personally, that's sort of how I started running as well. That was definitely the reason why I saw the point of running. Uh, yeah. And I think a number of people who listen to the podcast and who have been on the podcast with me in the past, that's also their way in. But for women, there's a whole different aspect to running that you need to consider, which is once you decide to start running for whatever reason, the fact of the matter is the way that society makes running available to you and treats you when you are running is completely different to the way that it does it for men. And that's something which I guess is preparing for this podcast. I'm like, how do we have this conversation as a man talking to a woman about it? Because I don't want to be seen to justify or excuse or anything like that or do that typical thing, which is I am a man who has a daughter and a mother, therefore I understand all women. Because the fact of the matter is I have no idea what it is like for you to lace up some shoes and go for a run because you face stuff as women that we just don't as men. We just simply yeah. don't. And look, to be honest, it, it, and it's not just running for us. The way that we approach life in general for most women is different, you know. Men grab their wallet and they're out the door. Women will, you know, will need to let a girlfriend know that we're going on a date, where we'll be, when we'll be back, where we're expected to, you know, at any given time. And I think that that can extend itself to running a lot as well. And we don't lace up and go out. We check things. We make sure our phone is charged. We make sure that if we have a, a tracker that it's on so that somebody can find us if something happens or our last known location. We tell our friends where we're going. If we if it's not our regular run or, you know, I like to run mornings, if it's not my regular run, I'll text a girlfriend and say, hey, I'm going here. You know, I'll be back in a few hours or whatever. Is it too dark? You know, is it is it too quiet? Is there something that's not right? Do we take that trail? Do we not take that trail? There's a lot of that for women. And and I understand that it, it does impact some men as well, but it's a different experience for men than it is for women because for the most part, I think that for men it can can almost be an afterthought. Mm. Um, for women, it's it's often our first thought. I know a lot of women who will not run on their own. Flat out, will not run on their own. I do run on my own. Again, I think that some of the research I do and the the exposure I have to violence on a daily basis makes me a little bit different. I also, unfortunately, do have some trauma in my background, so I have experienced that and I know what can happen. And I think that that makes a difference as well, that I just go, well, I can't not live my life. I can't not do this. If I wait for everybody to be together to run, when's the perfect time going to be? Mm, I think I think you're spot on there. I think as men, when we find ourselves in an incident when we're out running, it's often something that we realise afterwards. It's like a, oh, well, that was a bit dodgy. I really shouldn't yeah. have been in that situation. Yeah. Whereas women think about that I assume, as they're heading out on a run, thinking, at the very least, I'm going to get heckled by someone who drives past in the car, which seems to be... Every day. I've gone running with by myself a hundred times and been sort of, you know, had someone yell run forest run out the window at me once or twice. I go running with female friends and without a doubt, three times out of five, someone will shout something out a window. It's just completely different. I think the day that I, I truly lost it was... I had literally that morning had an article published with with news.com and it was the very first article I'd published and it was Mm. about, so I was really proud of of it, and it was about what women do to stay safe. And I went on a run that afternoon, so it was about 5 o'clock at night and I went around the Adelaide CBD, literally people everywhere, all of that. Within the space of 5K, I had three men yell things at me. And the last one, unfortunately for him, was the straw that broke the camel's back and I went off at him. And he was really taken aback and shocked. And I was just, it occurred to me that he has no idea that he's not the first one to do that, that it's inappropriate, that it's frightening. Because even if you're yelling something out that you think is really innocuous, Mm. how do I know 
that that doesn't mean that you're going to hurt me. Well, half the time when we're running, we don't even hear what they're saying anyway. It just sounds like loud noise. It could be the smartest thing in the world or the funniest thing in the world. We don't notice because we're 5Ks in and we got sweat pouring off <laughs> us. Like, it's not the best time to have a conversation. So it's a you're based in Adelaide. And one of the uh, recent articles that I was reading as part of preparation for this, and I'll put the link into the show notes, was talking, A, about the running group that you've set up to make it a little bit more accessible for women, I guess, in Adelaide to get out there and and train with other people and possibly feel safer. And I'd like to talk about that for a little bit, hopefully to inspire all the people in either Adelaide or other parts of Australia know that that's something which is possible. But then secondly, we've been talking, I guess, about informal running and how people react and interact with you on that. But there was actually a a really scary example about an organised event that recent happened in Adelaide as well that I'd like you to talk about. Because I think the one thing I want people listening to this podcast to understand is that this is something that is always there. It's not like women go to a running event and feel safe because we've just had a recent incident where that was proven to not be the case. Yeah, and and look, I want to preface it by saying that incidents within the running community, if, from what I'm aware of, are incredibly rare. When I say that, I mean people within the running community perpetrating these offences against other runners. Runners um, on runners' crime is not. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So not all runners, but there was an incident, and it was it was ironically just after we'd finished doing the piece for ABC on women's running and safety, and the next day, uh, a friend of ours who participated um, in some of the broader discussions around that went to an organised event. It was a six-day event and she was running the two-day event and she was assaulted at the event. And essentially what had happened uh, is that a man in the running community who has had always had a reputation for being a little, a little odd, mm-hmm. um, some women had described him as creepy, some had put in complaints about the way he spoke to them, And he had originally gotten himself banned from another running event because so many women had put in complaints. The problem is is that there was nothing, and this is so often the issue with this sort of thing, men can be really smart about the way in which they target and harass and hurt women. Mm. And you can't say, I think he's creepy or I think he's doing something wrong when there's nothing overtly happening. And this is a problem that the police come up against all the time in this sort of thing. In this case, he went to the event knowing that he wasn't a sanctioned volunteer, that he wasn't supposed to be there. And from what I understand, he was even wearing a crew shirt or had given the impression that he was crew. And he had offered one of the women a a massage, which, again, he's not a trained, well, I don't think he's a trained masseur, but it's not uncommon in running events. We know what hurts. Jab your elbow in, do what you can do, particularly on those longer events. And during that, he assaulted her. And she froze. She didn't know what to do. And that's so common. And I cannot stress enough to the people listening that your reaction to an event like this is your reaction. You know, there's no perfect response. Flight fight, freeze, it is all a response and whatever you do, you do. You can't, there's no second guessing that, you do what you need to do to get through it. And she froze as she reported it to the race, one of the women who was running, admitting the race and helping with the race and they found him and and marched him off. They have reported it to the police. But again, the problem is when the police went and spoke to him, he said that he thought her her silence, her freezing, was consent. Right. And we know that's not true. We, no. I think in this day and age, enough men have seen enough articles and spoken to enough of their female friends to know that consent is actively given. Yeah, enthusiastic and, consent, enthusiastic exact. verbal consent, you know. And... Unfortunately for the police, they come up with a very hard um, situation where they know what he's doing. But pushing that through the courts is really, really difficult because our justice system is a little bit broken when it comes to the way that we handle um, sex crimes in particular. We tend to err very heavily on the side of the perpetrator and we tend to not just our justice system but our society not believe women 
And so when this woman reported it and then reported it in the running community, we had other women say, so unfortunately, oh, I think he's just creepy. I think he's just a bit odd. That's really interesting. Do you watch, this is a slight segue, do you watch Survivor? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, so the last season of Survivor just happened, had something extremely yeah. sense where a lady was feeling inappropriately touched yeah. by one of the other competitors and she reported it to producers and then producers went and spoke to other competitors in Survivor and the same thing happened. Some people were like, oh, I don't think it's that big a deal. It's just the way he is. He's just a bit touchy. He's a bit old school. The fact of the matter is, and I think this is what they've learned from that experience, is if one person feels uncomfortable by it, then that is the truth. And you've yeah. got to do something about that. Um, no woman should ever feel like just because other people have said it's okay, that means it's okay for them. And that's the no. same lesson, which I would say to any one of my friends, to my daughters, you know, you've got to be able to turn around and say, actually, yeah. me, me and my truth is what is counting here. And this does not make me feel right. Uh, and the fact that that young lady felt like she had to freeze to get through it during that event in Adelaide is just disheartening terrible it it happens and i think that i think that you're right i think that we need to we need to be better teaching um women and and young girls and young boys and men mm. about the way that this happens because it's certainly not the first time i've heard oh i thought that she was okay with it because she didn't you know i think what we see and a lot of it unfortunately is, is perpetrated on television and I think some TV shows, SVU, which I'm a massive fan of now, have spent a long time trying to break down that that myth that women will fight for their life, will fight to the mm. death to avoid being raped or assaulted. It's not always our choice. And sometimes it is. Sometimes we make a conscious choice to not fight because we know that that will end disastrously for us. But sometimes it's also not a choice. Sometimes your body will react. It goes back to its, you know, primal things and it just does what it does. And we need to start training everybody better so that they understand these social cues. And we also need to explain to people, keep your hands to yourself. Mm. Like, just don't touch people. Do you don't. think society puts more expectation on women to handle these interactions than it does on men? You spoke about needing to educate men and young boys. I mean, it feels like to me it's always, oh, well, we need to make men aware of what they're doing. But women, you need to step up. You need to say no. You need to verbalise it. It doesn't feel like we're educating society 50-50 right now. No, we're, we're not. And, I look, it starts from when when you're very little, um, you know, the whole, oh, he punches you because he likes you or... He's a boy. He's they're rough. Yeah, that sort of thing. Boys will be boys. Um, and it's it's problematic. And it's not problematic just for women. Violence against men is massive in this country. Men mm. are actually at way more risk of violence from other men than women are. Uh, men are approximately 85% of perpetrators, uh, sorry, 85% of victims of homicide in Australia, 95% of the perpetrators. Men are also at greater risk of most physical assaults from other men, women are obviously at more risk of sexual assault from men. Mm. So when we talk about educating men and when we talk about changing society, it's not just about keeping women safe, although that is my primary focus. It is also about making it safer for men so that you guys can go out drinking on a Saturday night if you want to and not get punched. You know, all of that sort of stuff. And I think I think we do put a lot of onus on, on the victims in, in general to to do something because it's easier for us to assume that the woman did something to provoke the man than that man was actually a bad person, you know. I forget his last name was a, a swimmer in America, um, a very famous case where he raped a woman and every news article spoke about how amazing he was as a swimmer mm. and not about the fact that he is a rapist. And we, we do tend to say, oh, but he's a really good guy, so he couldn't have done bad. The world is full of really good men doing bad things every day and we need to start acknowledging that. If we don't acknowledge it, we can't have the conversations to end it and we need to start allowing women to express our experiences because so often when we talk about it, I, I know what people think about me and the fact that I'm such a strident feminist and all of that. I get that and I'm not making any apologies for that because the work I do helps educate women and keep us safe. And I think that that's more important than somebody liking the point of view I have. And so in terms of what society 
can do to make stuff better for, and safer. I guess predominantly for not just women in general, but let's get back to female runners. You've set up a running group in Adelaide. How long has that been going for and, and what was the genesis of that okay. event and, and that yeah. organisation? So important clarification. I didn't set it up. I um, okay. When I started running, this was a, a group of women who I had some questions and one of my friends who I'd met through a sprint a speed session group that I went to had suggested I join this group and ask. And this, so it wasn't set up by me. It was set up by um, a few other women. And we now have just over 400 members. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. And we don't always run together. Some of us never run together. It depends on what we can do. Some run regularly with other people. But it's become a really great pace, a place to talk about everything from gear, you know, mandatory gear on the trails, in ultras, what's your experience of the, the running, you know, how do I start running, how do I rehab from an injury? Um, and it's also a place where women who have been assaulted, because a couple of the women who who have been assaulted are members of that group, it's a safe space for one, them to talk about it, but also for them to find a running buddy when they need it. And that's probably been one of the the really loveliest thing I've seen is that these women are so quick to make sure that they will run with other women at a slower pace, at a faster pace, at a longer distance, you know, whatever they need to get done, they will get done to make sure we keep running and I think that it's really important to have these groups, even if you are a solo runner, to have mm. these groups to talk, you know, and it's talking about things like sports bras for women because it's a stupid mandatory piece of equipment that we cannot run without. But what's a good one? What's a bad one? You know, yep. what are your experiences with it? And so it's a really great place, even if you are a solo runner, to join these sorts of groups just to, to check in and chat. We do social runs as well where we will do anywhere from a 5 to a 15K, depending on your ability, and we might do bounce backs or we will just have a central place to meet, you know, different loops, that sort of thing. And so do you find the the dynamic or the camaraderie between the group, it's less about getting together and doing an organised training session or organised run, but it's more about having that support network for communication and exchanging of ideas? Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of them do. Uh, Adelaide is, like everywhere, incredibly spread out and huge. And so a lot of them do set up regular runs in their location where they're running anyway. So they'll just say, hey, I'm going to be here. This is what I'm doing. This is my pace. Anyone's free to come. But it's not an organised, we train at this time on this day. We do this. We're training for this event, that sort of thing. That's That's really not how it works at all. So it's something which anyone with a social media presence um, yeah. can basically set up in their local area. Yeah. And you don't have to think, you know, this is, and again, I come back to the fact that I'm not a real runner, um, <laughs> you know, and it's something we hear so often. Well, what, what is a real runner? I, I long ago made the decision that if you can run an Olympic distance, regardless of your pace, you're a runner. So that's 100 metres, right? Yeah. That is an Olympic distance. If you can run that, you are a runner go your hardest and I think breaking down those barriers has been a really big thing for for a lot of the women who join our group I'm too slow I'm too fat I don't run as far I don't do this it's always I don't and it's been a really great way for them to understand that well you might not be running a hundred miler you know 5k might be your preferred distance you might love 800 meter sprints um you know you've all got your own thing that that feels for it it's the joy of running that we want to do, recognising that you can't always love running because sometimes it's the worst thing in the world. Um, but yeah. anyone, anywhere can set up this sort of group. That's an interesting segue into the second thing I wanted to talk to you about in terms of, you know, who is a runner? What does it mean to be a runner? The joy of running and then having, I guess, the joy of running taken away from you again by the way that society can, or in this case, an organisation. You wrote an excellent article on women.com.au, which again, we'll put in the show notes, talking about your experience at a park run where you were you know, participating in the <laughs> event and then a photograph was taken of you and used by a local radio station to yeah. promote a, I mean, tell me, tell me in your own words exactly what it was they, they did. So, this article was just amazing to me when I read it, that they would think to do this. It, it was insane. What had happened was at our local park, uh, at one of my local park run, the Torrance Park Run, shout out to those guys. Um, they had some people from the advertiser, our local um, newspaper here, were taking photos of something, and 
the photographer had taken a really amazing, beautiful photo of myself and my girlfriend, Katie, and it was Katie's first run and it was her first park run and I was so happy. It's a great photo. Well, funny enough, the photo that was published is not the photo that they asked to use. Oh. So we said, for sure, use it, no problems. And then they used the one that was published. Now, the one that was published is Katie and I still running along and I'm actually blowing a kiss to a girlfriend who's out of shot who had finished her run and was cheering Katie on to the finish. She'd never met Katie. This is the first time she'd met her. She stayed back so that she could film Katie crossing the park run finish line on her first run. And so this photo was really like it was just a nothing. And when we saw it published, we were like, oh, great, thanks, you know, Ugly running photos are our jam. You know, it's, it's going to happen. So fine. And that was fine. It was published in the advertiser and we had no problems. And then a local radio station picked up the photo and used it for a promo for a, a fun run that they were apparently doing. So they were now, trying we, to do something good, it sounds like. They were trying to yeah, do a fun run. This is the problem. It was. I think that they... They honestly didn't mean it the way that they used it, but what they wrote was that they were looking for mediocre runners to come to the event. Now, this is a podcast. People can't see what I look like. I do not look like a long, lean, typical runner that people expect to see. I'm almost 40. I'm a bit chubby. I don't look like I can smash out a half marathon on a regular occurrence, which I can. So they've picked a picture of myself and my girlfriend thinking that we didn't look like intimidating people, that we're a bit, you know, we're not young and didn't look super fit. Um, Katie, by the way, that was her first run, but she rides hundreds of kilometres at a time. So, again, they picked this picture based on what they assumed our bodies told. They, They saw what our bodies looked like and they assumed that was the story. So I thought about it for a while, and which is very uncharacteristic of me. Usually I just fire off. And then I, I contacted them via a private message. Uh, again, uncharacteristic of me. Uh, public shame against these sorts of corporations is not unknown from me. But I thought I'd do the right thing. And I was like, hey, guys, I understand what you're trying to do. But the image you've shared actually is unfair for women because it tells me that I'm a mediocre runner and... Again, at that point, I was running, God, 15Ks a couple of times a week. And yes. that's, look, that's not elite ultramarathoning. But in the but article you wrote, I, I, I love this. Um, I'm not a mediocre runner. I'm not a casual runner. I'm a run four to seven times a week, can easily run a half marathon at any time and haul my ass kind of runner. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, as a runner, anytime you get to the point where you go, you know what, if I need to bang out a half marathon, I can bang out a half marathon. Yeah. You are a runner at that point. That's not something that an average – some people tr- will never run a half marathon. So being able yeah. to do that is an enormous accomplishment. And to me, I still find it absolutely bizarre that I could. Having said that, I've been rehabbing a few issues and I'm not sure I can run at the moment, but I'm giving you Ah, so that's how you know you're a runner, when you're injured all the time. (laughs) All the time. I tell you what, it's only been about the last two weeks that I've been able to stand up and not limp as I walked off and I was surprised at the fact that you could actually walk like a, a normal human being sometimes. Yes. But, yeah, and so they ignored my message. Um, this is where when I read your article, I feel like it kind of went off tilt here because it feels like up until that point you were trying to be understanding and collaborative yeah. and they went the oh, no response option. Yeah, let's ignore it. Let's let's pretend it's not a thing and, and go. And to be fair, I didn't say to them that I am a freelance writer, that I have a platform and that I might use the platform to publicly shame them because at the time I didn't have any intention of one kilometer I don't think outside to prepare for it uh, I have run outside but I'm you've talking, been outside right I have because you're talking about people bringing you food all the time I sometimes right? go outside okay you sometimes go outside okay. I've got hey man I've got a I've got a I've got a you can't see this bait breaking the bar but I'm showing him my tan line from my garden that watch doesn't look at all like white makeup it's not no I have white looks... makeup but it's not <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I'd never done a, a race before and you know what it was really hard. Mm. Uh, a 10K, which now I look at... Well, I mean, I, outside, you've got wind, you've got sunlight, you've, you've got, got things called, inclines These things stuff. called birds, Andrew. You I don't, need to be careful of the birds. I don't like birds. <laughs> Little bastard magpies that dive bomb me when I run. You should talk to Daryl. Daryl apparently is friends with all magpies. That's right. And he swears they never swoop him when he runs by. 
and I insist that's because I'm running beside him and I'm about a foot taller. Yeah, so they go not, for you first. They're not getting to him. Yeah. yeah. But no, he is convinced that he is friends with all magpies and he can make eye contact with them as we approach and they recognize that it's him. So he's the bird whisperer. I cannot convince him he's not. He, I probably would try harder because that's probably going to get him into trouble. Yeah, this is where he's going to end up in a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. At some point. yeah. <laughs> Birds too. Yeah. Oh, man. No, he's completely convinced. Yeah. No, man, I hate I hate magpies. I mean, I think I love animals, but I hate magpies. Mm. I don't can't classify magpies as animals. They are they are predators, demons. They are evil. Pre- they're predator birds, Ugh, bastards. Mm. But they do make you run fast. Yes, so that's a good thing uh, because when they start swooping you, it's like all right, this five and a half minute kilometer is going to turn into a four minute kilometer really quick. Yeah. But yeah, no, I had not done an organized event and it was hard. I that my first ten k was I think it was fifty six minutes and eight seconds, and it was a really hard run. You know. I think what's that like a what's that like a five forty five or something? Well, a six minute per kilometer is an hour. An hour, so, so it would have been about yeah. a five thirty between five thirty and five forty five, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and it was a bitch, mm. and I didn't want to run anymore after that because I was so sore. Like it was weird. Like yeah. I had run before longer than that because well, on a treadmill, on a treadmill. Yeah, and you know I was the kind of guy in the treadmill that would hold onto the handrails. Because all I wanted was a sweat, mm. and I could sweat that way. So I wasn't really running, I guess. Really, I was yeah. just pulling on the handrails, and not my full body. You were lifting weight. your feet and letting the track go underneath you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like so surprised, like Jesus! I was running for less than an hour. This sucks. Why am I so sore? Mm. And I remember not being able to really walk. <laughs> and then I was like, Do you know what? I'm never gonna do a marathon because no. I don't know why that came out of my mouth, but I was like, I'm never going to do a marathon. I can't believe people do that. That, that can't have been 2018. Yeah. Because 2018, didn't you do the marathon? Yep. So you're not talking about your first 10K. Yep. Your first 10K was your first marathon, was your first run outside. Yep. And then basically, after I said I'm not to do a marathon, they... You started a podcast about... I started a podcast. Well, I, I got the idea of pushing myself, and two days later, I was like, I'm going to sign up for the... Uh, Melbourne Marathon, screw it. Right. What's what's Oh, that's right. 2018, you did the Run Melbourne, which would have been in July or something. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which was 10Ks. Yeah. And then you signed up for the Melbourne Marathon, which was in October. Yeah. Okay. And that was um, training for that, man. That that was crazy. Emil Zatopek says, if you want to run, run a mile. If you want to change your life, run a marathon. Mm-hmm. So true. And I found out so much about myself. Those of you who have listened to the beginning of the podcast, you know, I found out a lot about myself in that training, mm. not just about my physical, what I could accomplish, but what mental capacity I had. Cause I mean, those of you who run marathons, you know, you've got some long training runs sometimes. I mean, you've got to be ready. Really? I think Zach said this once to run a half marathon every week as part of your training or more. Mm. And sometimes that's the thought of that sucks. Yeah. It not only is it physically hard, but it's it can be boring. It's like yeah. you're out there for two hours or three hours running. It's like this. What? Yeah, and we've spoken about how do you entertain yourself on those long runs, yeah. and how do you entertain yourself in a way that means you don't distract from focusing on the long run itself and getting something out of it. That's it. It's it's tough. Finding the time to prioritize it is tough, and then actually doing it is tough. It really. And then you can't walk afterwards. No, <laughs> no. It, you know, I, it was at a point where I, I I was I was I would do my long runs. It's actually funny. I look back in my mm. long run. I used to consider eight miles, uh, was that, 12.8 kilometers a long run. I don't really now. Yeah. But that, after that first eight miler, that first 12.8 kilometers, that whole day was shot. Yeah. I would not, I was not, like, in every long run after that, the whole day was shot. Yeah. But now I, I run those long runs and I try to stay active as I can uh, on those days. Yeah. Uh, and I try to stay healthy because a lot of us would... Well, I used to. I speak for myself. I'm sure I speak for others. Use those long run days as an excuse to overindulge in food. Yes. And I try not to do that anymore. Yeah. It's it's just changed now since then because I you know. Well, it's a lifestyle now rather than something that you do. Like you didn't you beforehand you used to exercise to do something. Yeah. Now you get up and exercise, then you do stuff. Yeah. It's because it's part of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like I don't really. I mean, it still excites me. Like mm. training. Well, now it excites me even more because of the thought of pushing myself and hopefully not getting injured. But yeah, it's like it's just part of who I am now. It, it, it's not a novelty. Yep. You know, there you go. So, but yeah, that that led me up to my first my first marathon. So that was 2018. 18. That was the hot one. That was the hot one. Yeah, it was like yeah. oh, 
Did you win that one? I ran that because I, 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 so I injured myself in 2014. Yeah, let's go. Let's go your last five. And years. then in 2015, once I was able to run again, yep. I almost became obsessive with my workouts and my running workouts. Yeah. I kind of overcorrected a little bit. Yeah. But not running huge distances, but running a lot, cross-training a lot, like not many rest days. Mm. And so I did two half marathons in 2015. I did Run Melbourne, yep. and then I did Melbourne Marathon. I did Run Melbourne in an hour 49, and October Melbourne I did in an hour 46. So oh, I was nice. kind of yeah. running okay times. I was, I was actually faster. I think I remember I found a Facebook post that said, uh, 2015 Zach is a better runner than 2010 Zach was. Yeah. So even though I was five years older and I'd gone through the injury, I was got to back to a point where, I mean, I lost a lot of weight. Yeah. And I injured myself in 2014. Yeah, because you focused a lot on your nutrition. I was probably you? between 103 and 106 kilos. Yeah. And then when I was running um, back in 2015, after recovering the Achilles and focusing on my true nutrition, I was down to kind of a little bit less than I am right now. So it's probably about 85 kilos. Yeah, wow. So I'm floating at about 88 now, I prefer to be in that like 82 to 85 range. I feel like that's a good place for me where I'm strong enough yep. to do what I want to do, but light enough to be able to run without getting a lot of injuries. Yeah. yeah. I'm like 81, 82, and you're like four feet taller than I am. That's not four feet. Maybe, four, two, maybe two. Two feet. <laughs> no. It's an exaggeration. I'm like a hobbit. I'm not freakishly tall, by you're, the way. You're the Gandalf to my friend. You used the phrase freakishly tall to describe me once. And I'm not even the tallest person in our group. He Ash actually, is taller than no, me. No, he's not, is he? Ash is way taller than me. No. There's a photo of me running next to Ash the other day, and I look like a hobbit. Did you Photoshop it? No. Did you? Did you? You did. I did not. I swear to God, you're both the same height. No, he's a lot taller than I am. I don't believe you. And I would not call him freakishly to his face. You're lying. <laughs> but on the podcast... I'm not sure he listens. It doesn't matter. Nobody else is listening. Yeah, if anyway. he does chase after me on Saturday, then I'll know that that was the case. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually really upset that he showed up this past Saturday after <laughs> I took the effort to tell you both to not yeah. go. I beat him, though. Well, I slept in. Nice. So then 2016, I came back from running half marathons, and I did that thing which was, gee, training for a full ma- tra- training for a half marathon is boring. Let's train for a full marathon. And that's where I decided to do my first full marathon up at Gold Coast. Yeah. Which I did. You know, I've, I've spoken about that. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life up to that point. Yeah. It was hot. I was not prepared to run 42 kilometers. I hit the wall at 38. The classic bonk hit the wall. Everything you've ever heard about. Yeah. And ended up finishing in four hours and three minutes and learned so much from the experience. I think I signed up for Melbourne the very next day. Nice. It's um, amazing how that works, isn't it? And did Melbourne in October and went from four hours three to three hours 50. Wow. So 13 minutes yeah. in the space of 12 weeks. Yeah, that's a... Uh, wow. And all I did was no more. All I did was have more mental preparation and have more information in terms of this is what a, a marathon is going to be like. This yeah. is what you need to do to prepare for your training and yeah. your fuel. It was just... I wouldn't say I was any fitter. 12 weeks later just more knowledge I just had more knowledge yeah. about the actual event and just that extra mental strength mm. and that's the thing where you know if someone gets into a half marathon or a full marathon and they do their first and they have a bad experience and they get discouraged don't let that stop you yeah. because you've gained so much knowledge you, you can't you owe it to yourself not to let that go to waste yeah I agree like pick it up and reapply it and have another go Yeah. have a second go at something like that that because, that, yeah. that failure that you think is a failure it might be but it's also a learning opportunity yeah. you know failure is a good thing number of times I've gone to events with people and we've done the run and we've walked away from it going man if we knew going into this race what we knew now mm. we could probably turn around and do five minutes faster 10 minutes faster just because we know what to expect in terms of the course and that's why something like melbourne being on the same course every year you know what is great i agree like when i did when i did melbourne this uh well last year now 2019 you know aside from everything that happened with my knee that happened up until that like it was just it was interesting to run the course again because i knew what to expect yeah i was you know it just felt easier even just running the distance like when i ran canberra it felt easier than the first marathon yeah. because i knew what to expect i knew basically what 42.2 is is 26.2 you know yeah. for those of you in the states the only country that uh, still uses the imperial units which is weird no i'm pretty sure there's one in the middle of eastern europe no it's not really yeah i think there is is it yeah i think there's two of you how dare they well there's only one of us <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah it's um you know, Kazblekistan. Like, what? Kazblekistan. That's a joke. That's a real country. No, it's not. It is. Because 
I'm saying it with confidence. But that, I mean, I, I can say anything with confidence. Well, I'm gonna look it up. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> Fair enough. I might be mispronouncing that. I feel like, you know, it's probably one of those obscure things that yeah. is true that you know that. I apologize to any Kazblekistanis who are listening. Kazblekistanians. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it was weird. That, that was that took a weird turn. Um, Geography lesson. Uh, so so um, this gets back on track. Indeed. So 2016, I did my first two marathons ever. Yep. 2017, I did technically, I guess, my first ultra. I did the Great Ocean Road. Yeah, which yeah, is 44. The world's smallest ultra. The world's smallest ultra. Yeah. So it's 1.6 kilometers more than a marathon yeah. or something like that. That's crazy. But that was good. And then I did Melbourne again. Yep. And that was. At the time, my so I did that in three hours forty-one, so that was my PB at that time. So in four marathons, I went from four hours three down to three hours forty-one. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was pretty. I was pretty happy with that. That was two years of running, I guess. Yeah. Well, actually, that was a year of running because I did my first Gold Coast in July of two thousand sixteen, and mm. then I did Melbourne two thousand and seventeen October. Okay. So eighteen months. Yeah. To take twenty-two minutes off, and that's where I went into two thousand and eighteen. With like 2018 was a pretty big year. I had a whole bunch of running that I was doing. Yeah. I set my 10k PB. I set a half Melbourne PB in Run Melbourne that year of uh, 139. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cracked the 140 for the half marathon. That's awesome. What's that like a four? 445 pace, 450 nice. pace, or something like that. Yeah, which was pretty good. And then went up to did my first ever trail race that year. Yeah. So 2018, I went to Bright. Yep. Up in northeastern Victoria. And did my first ever organized trail race, which was just an amazing experience. Again, super hard, you know, 800 meters of elevation over 25 kilometers. And most of that came within six kilometers of the race. But ah. that was like trail running was the big new thing. I fell in love with that. Yeah. And so then 2018, I went to the Melbourne Marathon expecting to smash it out of the park. I was like, I've got this linear progression where all my times are improving. I've gotten faster at a marathon every single time. Yeah. My half marathon time is faster than it's ever been. I'm doing trail running, which means I'm doing hills. Yeah. I'm super strong. I know nutrition. I'm starting to talk to people at Park Run and Winfit, and they're asking me for advice. Mm. I'm the expert. Yeah. I've mastered this. I'm going to destroy this Melbourne marathon. And Mother Nature said, nope. No, you're not, my friend, because we are going to drop a, what was it, 29, 31 degree day out of nowhere. Really ridiculous. In the middle of Melbourne, you know, coming out of winter. Yeah. Opening up and talking about that conversation now is important. And I think if we can start talking about it more and we can lift the awareness, then hopefully as a group, as a society, we can start to change for the better. So thank you, Catherine. I hope that people got something out of the interview. Again, I remind you to go have a look at the show notes and read the articles that were referenced there. And if you've got any questions about the episode or perspective you'd like to add, we'd love to see the conversation start over in the Facebook community. But with that, thank you very much for tuning in to Breaking the Barrier. I'm Zach Nomigelski. Good luck with going above and beyond what you ever thought possible. Bitch, like you, I mean you, and that's, it's, it's, it's a good thing to think about. It's a good thing to have in the back of your mind. Not that you want to count on bad things happening, but no matter how you train, no matter where you think you are, race day is unpredictable. Yep. Uh, you know, anything can happen, whether it be an injury, whether it be the weather, whether it be just something. So you've got to appreciate the miles and the kilometers that you put in before that. Because really, I've heard this before, the marathon is the, is the victory lap. Yes. You know, it's what you learn on the way that, that counts. You know, PBs count too, and, and running the like running an event like running any Melbourne running any marathon is a great experience. Mm. Be it a rural small one in the middle yeah. of nowhere, or be it a big one like Melbourne with ten thousand people plus everything else that's going on. Yeah. So you want to celebrate that and pulling up, as you would know, being able to pull up from the marathon mm. not injured is an enormous accomplishment and something that's a lot better than finishing a marathon injured. Yeah. So if you've got the choice between the two of them, you'd rather take the 10, yeah. 15 minute hit and... And just be not injured. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. So yeah. that is a victory in its own right mm. versus if you don't hit your PB. I mean, I'll admit after the back of 2018, 
having had goals of because I set out with the three thirty pacer. Yeah. So I wanted to run three thirty that day, mm. and I was convinced I'd done the training to do it. Then just coming in twenty minutes later than that was tough, and I sort of you know reevaluated like you do. Mm. What do I want to do with this? Do I want to keep running? Yeah. And I think that's where at the start of the decade, that's where I probably would have stopped running for a bit and gone and found something else exactly. again done fitness, done strength training, but stopped running. The work that I'd done with different people over the last couple of years before that meant that wasn't going to happen. They yeah. were going to call me on it and they were going to be right. So what are we doing for a recovery session? Yeah. You've got these Sunday long runs you do. Mm. Okay, how am I going to make that happen? So I think that's that's the most valuable thing I've gotten out of, you know, joining Park Run and meeting Andrew and Maria and then meeting WinFit and being yeah. part of that. It's just the fact that it pulls me back in and keeps me consistent. Yeah. It's not the training so much anymore it's mm. more the community it's, and the, the camaraderie yeah absolutely agree mm. absolutely agree you mean you need the training but it's it's everything else that keeps you there just training the training's tough sometimes just on its own yeah i mean if it was just that and look there are people out there who do just that and might hats off to you amazing but yeah i think for me i think yeah the community definitely definitely yep. helps keep me going you do do a lot of training by yourself now like as part of because you you were trying to balance training but also being part of the community. And you were doing double training. Yeah, and that was where I ran into problems. Yeah. So I've now found that happy medium. So yeah, most of my training, most of, 95% of my training, my, my miles and my kilometers uh, throughout the week are solo. But, you know, when I can go to park run, I go to park run. But, you know, it's, it's funny that I, I don't ever feel like I'm alone. Mm. Because obviously, as we all know, in 2018, after the marathon, I started the podcast and that's sort of where I, how I met everybody that I know mm. and even though I'm not running with them I know that they're there and you know we're talking we've got obviously the community group and everything mm. uh, park run and the events and we're always talking about running so even though I'm running by myself I, I, I can hold myself accountable because I know that my friends and my community my running community if they don't see that I'm running on say Strava or if I'm posting some humble brag about it, the first thing is, are you okay? Yeah. It's like, yeah, 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 I'm okay, but, you know, I'm not running. So, yeah, I do a lot of solo running. I, all my cross training is, is solo. Yeah. But I do it with the community in the back of my mind. Because you were running with us at the track with WinFit a lot. Yeah. And then once you realized that, you know, overtraining was contributing to your injury mm. you stopped coming and you never felt like that meant that you weren't part you, you did talk about at one point you felt yeah. like that meant you weren't part of the group anymore but now you don't feel like that no i feel like I, I mean it's one of those things where you can just show up and it's like nothing has changed like i went to park run a few weeks ago for the first time in like like four months and it was like it was as if i hadn't been away yeah and it's and it's just it's the the responsibility on yourself to not isolate from people. So you know, ten years ago, I look. I've never been a very as 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 many of you would probably argue with me until you're blue in the face. I'm not actually an extroverted person. I'm very introverted. I like to keep to myself. I like my privacy, my privacy, and but. And, and I used to take that to the extreme, but now, over the past couple of years, I've found a love for this community, and so I love the fact that I can keep in touch with people. Like, because you know, ten years ago, it would have been I, I would have not gone to park run, but nobody would have ever heard from me again. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm like, you know, I make sure that I stay in contact with people because I like people's company. And these are people who were strangers two years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Like not even two years ago. Yeah. Like a year, like eighteen months, like an yeah. year. Yeah. That's why I'm such a big advocate for park run yeah because like there's people who i see at my local park run 